guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. Um, it is Friday night. I usually like to get these done during the day, but I had a busy day today. Honestly, I was sticking around. I was sticking around, and um, I'm exhausted, and I would love to be playing Breath of the Wild, or reading in my bed, or watching something stupid on TV, but... I need to do this podcast before I go to sleep because tomorrow I'm taking my kids to a very secret special place that I'm not going to tell. Even though you're listening, I'm still not going to tell you where it is. So it's still a secret. Try again, homie. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I don't know if you can hear them. They're still up, Um, but I need to get this done. Go to bed. Go to bed or there are no tablets tomorrow. No. I'm going to bed. <laughs> anyway, I got to get this done. They all just went to sleep. I'm going to knock this out because tomorrow I'm going to take them to a super secret place that they don't even know about. And they're all eavesdropping, trying to, trying to see if I'm going to tell you guys. But I'm not because I got to keep this a secret. So I got to do that tomorrow morning. I'll be doing that first half of the day. And then um, I got like shit to do at the house. I'm going to, I think I'm going to clean my windows, the outsides of my windows. Um, and then, and then I got more shit to do. And then on, and I'm going to clean up my pantry tomorrow too. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday, I have to go to brunch with a friend, a newish friend. I'm always team no new friends, but like I got drunk at a company dinner party. Drunk is, I didn't get drunk. But I had some alcohol and I got friendly. So I'm out here giving people my fucking number. So all of a sudden I got a new friend. So I got to go to brunch with this new friend. Um, the last time I went to meet up with this new friend, I was like, I can't go. I need to like, I got to say one of my kids has cancer or some bullshit. I got to, I got to do what I got to fucking do here. But I went, I had a great time. And I remember leaving going, wow, you should do new things, princess, because you had a really great time. And now it's time to meet with her again. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Do I think I'm going to have a good time? Yes, I am. But I still don't want to go. But I am going. I'm going to um, have brunch on Sunday. And then I got a bunch of stuff to do around here. I think I'm going to rebraid my hair. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I got laundry. I got to do shit. And my husband's just like, I know you guys, I've talked about how he had a ridiculous schedule ever since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and then he, and then it got like really fixed. It was beautiful. I could see him before, before, uh, like he'd get home right before dinner and like we all hang out and we do all these things together and he's back to his wild schedule. Basically the other foreman got COVID is in the hospital, um, and so my husband's covering, he's back to 70 hour weeks. Um, it's 72 hours. He's working six days a week, about 12 hours a day. Um, you know, it's, it's what he has to do right now. So he just doesn't have time to do shit. Um, and like, I hear his, you know, coworkers doing a little better. So I'm really happy about that. And all only thing we can fucking do is cut. We only thing my husband can do is cover until he's able to get back to work. If he is, you know, it's 
it's a possibility he's not coming back. You know, in the hospital, COVID is a big fucking deal. Um, so I have decided to take a very optimistic approach to this, even though those hours are long and, you know, he's kind of run down. I'm doing the best I can to, to like make him happy. Like sometimes he can't even get food to be honest. Cause he's just too fucking busy and it'll be seven 30 and I'm in here getting kids ready for bed and doing bath time and checking in with him. And he's telling me he hasn't eaten all day and I'm like load, I'm ordering his favorite food and order and loading kids in the van and driving him down to his job because I want to make sure he eats. He needs to. And I'm trying to be optimistic about it because my husband isn't in the hospital with COVID. That, that guy has like a whole fucking family, you know? And my husband working a lot of hours, it could absolutely be worse, you know? So I'm just like not entertaining like a woe is me approach right now. I mean, uh, if this is still going on by fucking October, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be ready to do the what was me shit. But, uh, it's right now it's just like, let's, let's make it happen. Captain. So, um, yeah, that's, and, and on Monday, which is, uh, Labor Day, I plan to go nowhere and do nothing. That's it. Sounds great. That's, those are my plans for the weekend. And it all starts with me recording an episode of Mop Wives. Um, but just to remind you, if you are not a Patreon member, we started Celebrity Rehab this week. Um, there's an almost two hour episode on the Patreon where I talk quite a bit about the origins of Celebrity Rehab based on a podcast, the, produ- the production, the three executive producers did. Um, some interesting things I didn't quite know are in there, um, um, and we get through the first episode, which introduces us to everyone. Uh, so go check that out. If you are a member of the Patreon, go ahead and do that. If you're not a member of the Patreon, check out the Patreon. It's at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. There are tons of bonus episodes on there and there will be more as, as we move on. Um, I believe next week that LuLaRoe documentary is coming out and I'm gonna do an episode on it. Because guess what? I love white collar crime, scams, fraud. I love that type of shit. (laughs) What did I say? I I don't care about these murderers unless they did it for a C-do. I just want petty people doing petty things for fucking money. (laughs) And so I'm really interested in this. I'm not sure if I'm going to get someone to do it with me, but we'll see. Um, Yeah, so I think that's all the show business we need to talk about. Let's get into the damn episode. This is one of the more exciting episodes of Mob Wives because it's a lead up to Junior is a Rat. Um, It's called Torn Apart. It came out March 25th of 2012. It's season one of Mob Wives, episode 11. Um, we start with Carla taking Drita out to show her what it's like to be single in this bitch. Now, I believe Drita's been to a club since Lee's been to prison, right? Hold on, let me double check Lee's stats. Hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm back. It's it's taking too long to find out because recently, remember I told you Lee got popped on, I believe it was ecstasy and guns. I mean, the guns are the big things. He's a fucking felon. But uh, there's enough ecstasy, I believe. Some It was pills of some sort. It wasn't like heroin or fucking coke or weed. It was some sort of pill. So I think I remember it was ecstasy. But um, 
he got popped on that and a gun charge. And he was recently in 2020 since to fucking five years, 62 months. And damn. But, um, I, so I can't see about his previous like stints, but I, if I recall on the show, Aaliyah's like 12, Giselle's six. And the reason is because, uh, Drita was 12, Drita was pregnant with Aaliyah when he, um, when he um, first went in. So, and then he got out just in time to like get her pregnant with Giselle and then go right back. So my, I feel like he did like five and six year, five, six year bids each time. So like he's been in prison for like five, four or five years at this point. And like, I think Drita has been to a club in that time, even if it's just to celebrate her birthday. But the way she's acting like she hasn't even seen a man since then. I was like, I don't know about all that. Um, but yeah, they're going out and, you know, she's dancing with some guy and she tells him not to touch her inappropriately because she gets violent. Drita is so casual with that. She's just like, yeah, you know, cause I get violent. What if I said, um, yeah, I'd like, uh, a quarter pounder with no onions and no mustard and please make sure that happens. Cause if not, I get violent. What if I just said that? Um, excuse me, um, can I get a pound of uh, rare roast beef? And please make sure that it's rare. And please make sure that it's thinly sliced or else I might get violent in here. <laughs> She's just so cat. I, I, I'll get violent with you. Um, later, we see her asking guys if they, t- if they could take a hit. And she's actually punching one of them. She says she has no game. She's fucking right. Why are you hitting people in the club, Drita? <laughs> if I met someone, I was flirting with them, and their first question was me, could I take a hit? I would be very, I'd be very worried. Are you about to hit me? <laughs> like, why are you asking me that? At one point, she goes to talk to some guy because he looks like he's straight up from Staten Island, and she he asks if she remembers him. And apparently used to run with Lee. And Drita says this is how quick Lee will know she's out of the club. I'm like, okay. But what time is it? Because they shut off the phones at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock latest. Okay? So anybody calling. Lee ain't calling nobody and finding out you you was at the fucking club. I mean, unless he's got one of those fucking JPay tablets or whatever where they can send messages. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, just, I just feel like it'd take a couple days for him to find out. I don't think he knows right now. Lights out, okay? Lights are out. Well, not out. The lights stay on all night in prison so that they can check and make sure you ain't doing shit in there. And that you didn't, like, Shawshank it and get the fuck out. So, uh, Karen and Ramona are out with Big Ange and they start talking about her uncle, Sally Dogs. Karen's father, Ramona's grandfather, and Big Ange's uncle were all very close. They did business together. They were all, you know, in it together. Um... So they saw Big Ange at like, they've known Big Ange forever because she was just around. Her family was around and, you know, and the the adult, the parental father figures in their lives all all hung out together. So that's how, I mean, Big Ange has always been around. Um, her uncle always said that when Sammy, remember Sammy turned state's evidence, it was the biggest, it's the biggest fucking uh, witness against the defense. <laughs> Um, in mob and mob court shit, um, but Sam uh, Sally always said that um, 
Sammy could have hurt him, but she, but he didn't, and he was always grateful for that. Began starts talking about visiting her uncle in prison and having to bring in lamb chops in their underwear. They bleep it out. I don't know. Was she saying lamb ch- chops in her vagina? I don't think that's what she was saying. I just, I just don't want anybody to have to eat lamb chops that came in, in somebody's vagina. Okay, I just don't want that to happen. I'm, I don't want to be eat lamb chops that came in, in someone's underwear, but I just, I find that a little bit more acceptable. Um, so I just decided that's how it went. Um, she then said her mother would bring in vodka and baby bottles and her boobs. Girl, you are lucky your mother is not doing a bit. Okay. <laughs> You're fucking lucky. I mean, but it's harder to do things like that now because when you go in, they check you, you know, they lift underneath your boobs. <laughs> um, I wear a leg brace. Sometimes they look in my leg brace. They do all that. Um, I'm sure there's some places where it depends on who you know, and it, I, I'm sure people smuggle, people smuggle shit in. I'm, what I'm saying, I'm sure, of course they do, but I'm just saying it's a little harder than like having big boobs and sticking a baby bottle on these days. It's a little more like work on that. Big Ange says she's been going to visit prisons since she was 10 and she's not doing jail visits anymore. A fucking men, same. I've been visiting prisons since I was eight years old to, to visit my my bio dad, and I don't visit people in prison. I don't take collect calls from jail. I just don't. I I don't do stuff. I don't write people in prison. I don't do any of that. And it's because I've got my feel of it. I, there's one person I got to do it with and nobody else. Um, Big Ange says she don't care who you are. She's not doing it. Same Big Ange. Ramona says, well, if you really love someone, you'll go. Stop projecting, Ramona. Stop projecting. No, we ain't going. <laughs> Uh, Big Ange also, t- you know what, what the fuck am I saying? When my kids was in prison, I'd be right there. So I don't, so all right, fine, Ramona, you're right. Um, Big Ange also tells us about how she went to jail once. She, her friend had a wire on her. She, and like, when she got arrested, she, and like, she had to listen to tapes. I don't know if this is a part of her, um, her case. Like they, they, they needed her to listen to the tapes to, to help her case, like her lawyer asked her to do that, or if this is like part of the inter- interrogation, I don't know. But she had to listen to the tapes, and the girl had a wire on her while she was in the bathroom with Big Ange, and Big Ange was peeing. You could hear Big Ange pissing on the on the wire, and she thinks it's gross, but I think it's gross for you to be pissing in the bathroom with this girl, okay? And apparently talking business, too, because she got a wire on. She's over there trying to get all the tea while you're pissing. I think that's gross. <laughs> you, what if what if you just didn't let her come in the bathroom with you and you, she never got the shit on you? Mm? Think about that. Sliding doors, Big Ange. Um, over at Renee's house, she's telling Junior that he missed his appointments and they're looking at what they have to do for sentencing. Um, she's organizing all that. He's doing a PSI, which is a pre-sentencing investigative report. And that's where they go through all your shit. And, you know, this is presented to the judge during sentencing. To help them figure out things like order to throw the book at you or give you a slap on the wrist. Wrist, excuse me. Renee is stressed and she's been super nasty, she says. And like, of course she is, right? There's a bunch of shit going on. You're in this relationship you should not be in, but you're trying very hard. You're you're desperately trying to fit a square peg in a round fucking hole. And he's cheated on you numerous times. He had a fucking baby on you when you were married. And, like, it's hard for you to forget that stuff. Of course it's hard for you to forget that stuff. This is why most people don't stay with people like that. Because if you were me, I'd be bringing that shit up all the fucking time. For I, I, Again, I would either... So, if you have a baby on me and I'm supposed to try to stay with you, I would... Like, it would be awkward when you were having visitation, like you brought your kid home, because this is where you live. 
brought your kid home to like visit and stay with you during your during your like um your time with your kid it would be a little awkward I would be thinking a lot about like how I felt um what if the kid looked like the woman you cheated on me with like she's a part of our life now it would be very awkward and it would strain the relationship I'm not gonna not have feelings about that even though I think I'm mature enough to like put put to not punish a child for my feelings, but still I would have a lot of feelings. So that's gonna be tension in our relationship. And if you're not like taking care of your kid and seeing your kid, I'm gonna think you're a loser. I, I, I Maybe that sounds harsh to some people, but that's how I feel. I feel like if you don't see your kids, I think you're a loser, okay? And, and that's how I feel. And I've had people say that that's a mean thing to say, but that's how I feel. I don't fuck people that don't see their kids. And, um, and that's not like, I know a lot of people like look down on mothers who don't have like full custody of their kids and I, like, that's not something I, I think about. Like I've always famously said that Amber Portwood, if Amber Portwood just showed up to her weekends and paid her child support and was the quote unquote dad position where you, sh- where you've got her every other weekend and part of the summer and you, if you just pay your child support and show up to some dance recitals I would have been like I I feel like she's doing the bare minimum and there's and at least she's doing that I I don't think I would give her like a super hard time I'm not like that but I do believe that like you know this trailer just came out for fucking um Vanderpump Rules and it looks good but they fooled before of these fucking trailers you know that um and at one point Lala says that like first of all she is like I'm the happiest I've ever been. And she's like crying the entire time. (laughs) It's like, Sheena, are you? And Lala drops a bombshell that he is, he has not seen his kids in four years. And I'm like, okay, I need some context to this. I want more information about this because what do you mean you haven't seen your kids in four years? Are you haven't seen your kids in four years and you're in the midst of a big legal battle? Is that what you're saying? Because you haven't seen your kids in four years? Have you not seen your kids in four years because... They live in another country. I still, I, I think badly of you. I think badly of you. I'm sorry. Because why do you live in a different country than your, than your kids? Okay, give me some context. Tell, explain to me why. And, sh- and I, uh, that's judgy. I know it is. I know it is. And I tried, I'm trying to be less judgmental. I mean, the younger, the older I've gotten, the less judgmental I am. I've been, a, but I, I'm just going to be honest if, you ain't seen your kids in four years. You better have, are they dead? Like, why haven't you seen them in four years? Are you dead? What's going on? Because I think that people have a responsibility to the children they bring into the world. That's what, I, I believe that. So, yeah, if Junior had a baby on me, it would be awkward when the baby was there and it'd be awkward when you wasn't seeing the baby because I'd be like, oh, you, oh, so you're just going to act like you don't have that baby? Is it the baby's fault that you cheating over here? How much did you pay the child support this month? I mean, it comes out of our account. I see the no withdrawals. Are you not paying your child support? Are you not supporting this child? Oh, wow, you're a bum? Okay. Like, so either way, we need to break up. But what I'm saying is that Renee is like, you know, she's desperately trying to make this thing work that I think it's, it can't work. Um, and then he's on the way to jail. So yeah, she's fucking stressed. Um, she's talking about the gap between them. She says it's not romantic between them, which I guess means they aren't, they aren't fucking. Um, 
she thinks that the reason there's a gap is because of her mood. And he co-signs it saying they've been arguing and she's had a lot of mood swings. She starts crying, saying she feels like he doesn't love her sometimes. And he's like, do you think it has something to do with your attitude? Fuck you, Junior. <laughs> like, <laughs> and bro, like, I know. I've been saying Renee's difficult. Renee's difficult. I want, want Renee to be my sister. I want, want Renee to be my landlord. <laughs> I want, want Renee to be my uh, mailman. I want one of <laughs> Renee is a lot. A lot. But don't act like you don't know what she got a fucking attitude. Weren't you calling your ex? Just like an episode ago, looking for your ex that you promised you weren't going to talk to her again? What the fuck? Come on, man. Um, You think it's your attitude? <laughs> and he's going to say I have a lot going on. She's like crying. She's like, yeah, you're going to jail? And he's like, yeah, like I said, we got a lot going on. <laughs> but I don't know. So at this point, it's a little confusing about Junior. So Junior has a gambling charge, right, from the year prior that he's waiting to get sentenced for. And it carries like 18 to 21 months. And at this point, when we're talking that sort of time, someone who's been out of, in and out of prison and jail all their adult life, I just don't see, I mean, nobody wants to do 18 to 21 months, but... I am not super concerned about Junior doing that time, right? That seems like baby time to me. And it feels like he might even get out early. It feels like it's quite possible he could end up doing a year and three months and getting out, you know? So, I don't know. Sometimes when Renee, at this point when Renee's really hysterical, I'm like, okay, but I don't know. I feel like he's a professional, <laughs> you know? Um, and maybe that's like, you know, prison's terrible, guys. I, I know that when people are being glib about it, they're like, oh, you get you get, you get, get fed three meals and you get to hang out with your buddies and watch TV. And now they even have tablets where they can look at email and pictures you send them and, and watch TV on it. It's so easy. Prison is fucking terrible. It's dangerous. It's filthy. Uh, the It really depends on where you are, but, like, the food can, can be... My birthday's had food poisoning many times a year for many years running. Like, the food can be treacherous. I mean, he's living off fucking ramen. Um, it's, it can be abusive from staff and other inmates. I mean, prison is fucking terrible. And the worst part about prison is that people do not understand is that you have no control over anything. And some people like that. I ain't one of those people and having someone else tell me what to do all day long and be in the most uncomfortable place where you're shitting in front of people, where you're laying on like a, I don't know, a mat on a metal bed with people you don't like, people who are dangerous, where staff treat you like you're not even fucking human. And like, we can be glib all we want, but prison is fucking terrible. I would never want to be in prison. There are very few things I will do the time for. So I'm just going to warn you now. Don't do any crimes with me. I will be making deals. So so I, I, I'm not trying to be rude about Junior going to prison. I understand it's a fucking terrible place. But I also feel like somebody, a career criminal doing fucking, I don't know, a year and a, three months to two years seems fine. 
It seems like he's, he's had an easier way to do it. Um, Renee says that she's afraid to lose him and that's the worst thing that could happen. She's crying. She's saying it's killing her inside. The way she's crying is so pathetic and that's in the actual definition of the word. I'm not insulting her. She looks pathetic. Like, almost to the point where I feel sorry for her. I don't, I don't really feel sorry for Renee. Um, she, Renee's only got three modes, screaming, crying, screaming, angry, and pathetic crying. That's all she's got. And pathetic crying is the one where I feel, where I'm like, ugh, the most. Um, she says she needs him and he says he'll be there for him, for her. She asks him the promise that she has nothing to worry about and he promises. He has this fucker. Listen, I, I, I don't think Renee and her father are some sort of fucking victims, okay? The problem, the, the truth is, is that if you live a criminal lifestyle and you do crimes with other people and they tell on you to get better time, that's, them's the fucking bricks, okay? And it's, it's just, it's to be expected. You're out here committing knowing crimes as a lifestyle and it is what it is. So I'm not gonna be out here being like, oh, poor Anthony uh, Graziano. Yeah, Anthony Graziano, you know, you live in the streets, you die in the streets. You go to jail in the streets, that's how it goes. And as for Renee, Renee is complicit. She is someone who loved being a mafia princess and daddy's little girl and and glorifies lifestyle and she loves having an ex-husband current boyfriend who's in the lifestyle and all that shit she loves that loves it but here's the thing everything's peachy going up and it's shitty going down and this is one of the main reasons being a drug dealer's girlfriend has never appealed to me because i, I i've watched all these movies it's great in the beginning <laughs> Then it's not, and uh, as much as I'm sitting here, and I can empathize with a person who is like losing their shit, she's gonna be losing her shit this entire episode. As much as I can empathize with that, I also have to remind myself in the back of my head, like, okay, but this is what you wanted. This is the entire thing you're looking for, and I don't know if there are any victims in this room right now. I just don't. I mean, I do think. I will say this though, I do find it despicable that Junior can lie to her face like this. I do find that to be a character flaw of his. Um, that he can sit right here and pretend, you know, wearing a wire is one thing. Getting back together with your ex-wife, the mother of your child, so you can wear a wire against her daddy is a whole nother thing. You ain't here having relationship talks with Renee, and I don't know that you would be there if it wasn't for this. And you look at her right in the face with that little scar over your eye. Never trust a man who's got a scar like the like that lion from the from the Lion King, because somebody tried to take out his eye one time, so he don't be doing what he's supposed to be fucking doing. He don't have no act right anyway. Otherwise, people wouldn't be trying to get out your eye and shit like that. I don't know. I just find it real despicable. All right. So, Drita and Big Ange go to the Italian deli, and bitch, it looked good. Oh, I was like, oh, I, I, I need a pound of that, two pounds of there. Just bring that whole thing out to me. 
Um, she tells, Drita tells Big Ann, she, she's like recounting going out with Carla and she's like, she doesn't have any game and it was hard. She says it's like cobwebs in there. <laughs> she and Big Ange also talk about how Big Ange, at this point, has been married for two and a half years to a guy named Neil. She had to throw him out because he was out partying all night all the time. And, you know, he's a cheater, of course. And she threw him out seven months earlier because he won't pay the bills and be a man and have responsibility. Big Ange is a feminist icon. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but the truth is she could be a feminist. I don't think Big Ange would identify as, as with feminism. She probably like, is that something about lesbians? That's that's what Big Ange might say. But um, So then Drita goes, wasn't he always like that? And Big Ange stops and looks at her and goes, yeah, I guess he was. Yeah, yeah. See, this is what I mean. Like, Big Ange and Drita together are funny. They, they, it seems like they're on a whole different show, to be honest, but they are having a good time together. They're easy to watch. Um, I, I believe I said this before. The reason I am a Portia Williams apologist is because she is someone who has fun on screen. She's easy to watch on the screen. And most people don't have fun on reality TV shows anymore. Uh, most people go to dinners to push storylines. They do activities as basics as basis for businesses or products that they're going to try to sell you at the end of the season. But very few people still have fun on screen. I believe watching Vicky and Tamara have fun together is the reason they were, they were on for it. So, I mean, they're terrible people, but when they get together on screen, it's fun to watch. Um, and so watching big Ange and Drita just like at an Italian deli, grubbing, talking shit about men, making, like, laughing with each other is fun. And so I don't care that they seem to be on a different show. That's fine. They, I need this in between all the other shit from the show. Um, oh, uh, the, the part where they find out where, where Big Ange admits that Neil is 38 and actually younger than Lee and... And Big Ange is 51. is fucking comedy gold. They are so fucking funny. Next scene, Renee goes out with Ramona. They're, you know, Renee says it's it's interesting that Ramona's willing to sit with her back to the door. Because she, she said that means Ramona's like, you know, a tough bitch. Uh, I know a lot of people won't sit with their backs to the door in places. It's just, it's a thing. My husband's like that. He, he won't do it. Um, but, you know, neither, I guess neither will Renee. So they don't kiss. She's talking about Junior. Uh, they don't kiss in the morning or say goodbye to each other. I think she's saying there's no tenderness in the relationship. Um, they seem like roommates, you know. Um, it's dead. And also her dad is home from the halfway house finally. She can't see him because he hates her and her sister Jennifer, who's the executive producer of the show, um, f- because of this show. So he's, he's not, she's not seeing, she can't see her father. But Junior still has a good relationship with him. She said that in their lives, Junior was always like a son and she was a daughter-in-law. Um, she says her father called her and said, you're alive, and then hung up on her. Her daddy sounds fucking messy. <laughs> but Renee doesn't care as long as her father t- talks to her son and she's like, as long as AJ has his grandparents, I, you know, that's, that's all I want. Ramona says she has no relationship with her own father. She had one when she was younger, but not anymore. And she says that once she and her kids went to a family party and they all walked in and her dad walked right out. 
And Renee says at least she knows her father loves her and he has a relationship with her kid. I don't know if that's enough, Renee, but okay. But she says she wants to fix whatever happened so they can find each other again. I don't know why she's saying whatever happened. I guess because they're not breaking the fourth wall. But this would be, I would love if they had broken the fourth wall here. But I think that's a lot to ask for a 2012 uh, reality TV show. So Carla and Joe go out to dinner without the kids. Mm? We co-parenting without kids. That's interesting. And she's telling him about the parent-teacher meeting because it's the first one he's ever been to. Remember, when he went to prison, her kids were in fucking high chairs. And Joe wants to get more involved with the kids and see what they're doing. Joe seems like a lovely person. He's, he's so complimentary to Carla. He's telling her he's ready to get up in there and let the teacher know that they do have a, a father. I mean, he's, he's, he seems like a lovely person. Do I still find him cute? Yes. I still find him cute. He looks like a lot of dudes I've dated. He, 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 he's, I still find him cute. He looks like a bit of a meathead, but still. And then Joe, the felon who just got out of jail after six years, explains to Carla what speed dating is. Carla doesn't know what it is, but Joe knows. And at least Carla, like, makes, she's like, what was he doing this in, was he doing this in prison? What, how does, how the fuck does he know what it is? Because you remember when speed dating was a thing? When it was everywhere? People don't do that anymore, right? I mean, obviously we're in a fucking pandemic. Um, but I feel like speed dating was obviously after internet dating, because internet dating is much older than, like, apps, okay? So it's, well post internet dating but it's pre the apps and the apps kind of mimic what they were doing with speed dating so you don't have to go anywhere um actually it's possible almost no one did speed dating and this was just some shit that we all that we saw on every reality tv show because because you know producers but yeah it, it would be it would be so strange to get a storyline on the next season of Vanderpump Rules of someone speed dating. Mm. So he tells her to go because maybe she'll see someone she likes. Like maybe she'll see someone like him. And he, he tells her that he thinks she's beautiful. They're grinning at each other all. She's, she, he's reminding her about her, how her ass looked in some multicolored corduroys one time and she's like yeah that's why i wore them because my ass did look good in it he's like it did and i'm like guys you already fucked right you 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 already did it right mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah you already did it that's why we out to dinner with no fucking kids co-parenting with no fucking children <laughs> whatever i would have done it too i would have i wouldn't have gotten back with joe but i would have you know i would have thrown him a little something i would have he's too cute and um Renee's house, Renee is still anxious and depressed. I mean, she's in bed. Um, she said something doesn't feel right. Junior didn't kiss her goodbye. He's pulling away more. That morning, he's going to check in with his parole officer. Now, when we see this, she's just lying in bed, tossing and turning as a voiceover. But then she says she's getting up because it's late in the evening. He's not home yet. She thought he'd be home. He's been gone all day. When she goes downstairs, she finds her note from Junior. So I paused this and read as much as I could on it, okay? It says, Renee, I was charged with armed robbery along with brandishing a pistol. I'm not using Ed. I think it's the lawyer. I will send all my blank to you. I couldn't see it. 
I was warned but not able to tell you because I was in a cutoff there. Then further down, it had something about their last dinner. Like apparently he asked her to go to dinner last night, but she ignored him. And, but he couldn't tell her that would be their last dinner together. By the way, she's like, he didn't kiss me goodbye. He hasn't been speaking to me. But I'm like, it looks like he was talking to you and your ass wasn't answering him. He did ask you to go to dinner. What are you saying? I don't know. And it says, I don't regret trying with you. At least we know it would have never worked out. I love you. Somewhere it says, I hope it works out for you and you find someone that is better than I, Junior. P.S. It says, the charge carries years. My other my other charge carries in nothing. And says, I couldn't see it. So Renee reads this and starts smoking right away. Like she fires up that fucking gas eye on her on her stove. I miss fucking gas cooking. They just don't, they just don't, most people don't gas cook down here. Um, I miss it. But she... You can hear as she loads up that fucking eye and she starts smoking right a fucking way. And then suddenly she got a drink. She starts drinking right away. She's calling everybody. I think she's calling the lawyer, but he says he's not using this old, this lawyer. We see a montage of her on the phone. She's saying if he's going to make a plea, he's going to use a public defender and she won't know who that is. She says she's devastated, confused, in the dark. I mean, it's so dramatic. She can't believe he didn't say goodbye. No heads up. Just went to jail without even speaking to your son. Renee can't understand how he went from having a gambling charge from last year that was 20, that top 21, 22 months. And now he's got an armed robbery charge that carries at least seven years. So here's what happened. I had to go back and read this because I don't think I ever like actually thought about what actually happened. So, you know, Junior's in and out of jail. He got a gambling charge and, and he's about, to, he's making a plea deal for that. And he's going to, and he's going to do, you know, after 21 months while he is like working that out he was charged with armed robbery and branding a brandishing a pistol here's what what the court determined to happen because you know he gets convicted that he and two other guys were going to rob a check casher for i forget what crime family it is um it's not the banano crime family because that's the one that uh, he's associated with and and um, Renee's father was uh, high highish high up in and so um, they are going to rob the the guy so they ambush him and they are getting the money it's about ninety thousand dollars apparently um, that's what I read who knows that's a lot of fucking money that's a lot of money to me split three ways is a lot of fucking money man. Um, and when the guy gets up to run, Junior shoots him as he's running away and they leave and the guy ends up bleeding out and dies. Um, and it seems like that, that it happened. So apparently this happened in 2010. All right, his gambling charge would have happened in 2011. His, uh, the show is 2012. So it seems like one of those things, which is, I mean, we look at shit on TV. We're watching all these like propaganda uh, t- TV shows. I'm just as guilty, although they didn't get me because I, I, I'm still like, fuck the police. <laughs> so no, but 
we look at all these shows and I think they call it the CSI effect where people watch these shows and they think, oh, okay, so if a crime is committed, all that's going to happen, like, they'll be able to, they'll be able to dust for prints and like take some, some samples and then immediately know who did it. But that's not how most police work is done. Most police work is people confessing, people witnessing, that sort of thing. Uh, not a whole, like when we think of detective work, um, from media, a lot of whole, not a whole lot of detective work is done. A lot of it is, well, this guy said he saw it. And so, Sometimes, though, cases take a long time until somebody is willing to uh, speak up about it. Like, uh, it's one of the reasons why if you're arrested, just don't say anything. The, like, you, can, you can't talk yourself out of being arrested, but you can talk yourself into a fucking charge. So if you and two friends murdered somebody, if y'all just don't say anything ever, for the most part, you you might get away with it. It's quite possible you can get away with it because a lot of, of like, I know that we think of like DNA evidence and things like that and forensic evidence, forensic evidence. We think of forensic evidence as clinching a lot of cases, but it doesn't. One, it's expensive. There are backlogs. Um, not every police department even has a dedicated forensic forensic lab. And there's actually a documentary I want to watch about two forensic lab technicians that fucked up a bunch of shit. I, maybe I'll do a show on it. We'll see. I mean, most of it is we we bothered this person and it was like, fine, it was me and two guys. That's that's what most things happen. And so I can imagine that they did this in 2010. And, you know, they didn't have any leads, you know, blah, blah, blah. And finally, one of the other guys gets, you know, arrested for something else and confess, you know, not confesses, but like in exchange talks about this, basically what Junior's doing to her daddy, but he's getting charged with it. And it changes because according to Renee, he wrote in that thing that he can get like seven years. And I'm, I'm assuming he's talking the minimum. So that's what happened. Um, and so he went to surrender himself. Now, what I don't understand is why he didn't tell her, like, what do you mean you couldn't tell her that you were surrendering yourself? You could tell you were surrendering yourself for that. And I don't understand, like, you're here living with your ex-wife and your son. Fuck your ex-wife, okay? Like, let's say Renee's too emotional and she gets on your nerves. Your son. And you didn't say goodbye to him. You just left and went to prison. And, you know, that could freak some people out. I think I too would be nervous and worried and like, being like, what the fuck? Um, Renee's stopping into the phone and saying that she's not leaving him. She doesn't care if it's 20 years, but she's not leaving him. Oh, Renee. She also says she can't cry because all she can think about is how he can't because her brain's so sick, she's just thinking, good, and he can't cheat on me for eight years. I mean, he can still cheat on you. Dude, you've seen Love After Lockup. These motherfuckers be writing tons of people. <laughs> he can still cheat on you. Um, He can cheat on you on one of the guards. I'm not, I'm saying uh, that Junior's probably, I'm assuming Junior's straight, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna be interested in any uh, male relationships, okay? I'm fine. He get one of the guards. That happens all the time, too. Female guards go to prison all the time. Because they get involved with an inmate. And an inmate cannot consent to sex uh, with a guard. I, I, I'm iffy on the rules with another inmate. But they cannot consent to sex with a guard. 
or a staff member of a prison. They cannot. Does not matter how old they are. Um, and doesn't matter like what the power dynamics, they can't consent to it. So if you are sleeping with an inmate and you are a member of the, of, and you employed by the prison, you are probably, you are opening yourself up for a rape charge, regardless of how it went down. Um, so we leave Renee for a little bit and we get to Dredin Carlin who goes speed dating. It turns out it's a fireman event. I mean... It's a weird thing. Dream tells us she's never been single. She says even with Lee in jail, she's never felt single. She's never acted single. So this is really new. You know, the guys have their own calendars that they're showing up with. I was like, that's weird. Is this like something the event asked them to do? Because if it's just something you said doing your own, that's weird. And you know, it just, it's really clear that this is like production bullshit because Carla is not interested in these men. They're all too young. I mean, the way Carla and Drita are talking is just like, oh. One of them was like, I have a fiance. What the fuck are you doing here then, buddy? You know, producer shit. So back at Renee's, Karen shows up. Um, uh, Renee called two people, Nicole and then Karen. And Karen shows up and Renee unloads on her as soon as she walks in. Karen... Karen is obviously shocked and she said the situation is weird. She's never seen someone pre-write a letter like that and then turn themselves in. Um, Renee is like on one. She's like, I have nothing left. She says, financially, it's over. Then she starts like opening a drawer in her kitchen and brings out a peanut, a jar of peanut butter, a bag of Wonder Bread, some chips and says that's all she has left. And that's interesting because... Junior is paying for the house. Junior's paying for your groceries and your, that's what he, he's been, he's been doing that all these years. Is that, is that, what do you mean? So this makes, so if that's true, if that's true, if like Junior gives her money every month to, you know, pay all her bills and all that shit. It makes things a little more interesting when we talk about, when we talk about how Renee has been sleeping with him on and off for 12 years, regardless of what relationship he's in. And I'm, I'm wondering if she, is this like a child support thing or alimony thing, or just a, like, I'm going to take care of you thing. Like, what is that? And the next question I'm going to ask is what were you going to do when junior went in for, for fucking 18 to 21 months? What were you going to do then? What was the plan? If him earning was a big deal, was somebody going to bring back buy an envelope all the time? Okay. Well, at this point, we don't know shit about what junior has been doing. So wouldn't that person still bring by an envelope? You know what I mean? I don't know. I have questions here and I wish someone had asked them. Renee's eyes are huge and wild. She's screaming and crying. Karen is telling her that she has to be strong. And she can't break down right now. Renee says she's losing her sanity and Karen yells, don't let the government win. And Renee says, what do they win? What do they win? And Karen's like, your sanity. (laughs) Oh my God, the government doesn't want your sanity. Um, Renee says she doesn't blame the federal government in in this really weird voice and then yells, that's their job. (laughs) Um, She says she wishes she had died in the operation. And Karen says, okay, well then who would be here for AJ? And Renee yells, my parents. And Karen reminds us that she was AJ's age when dad, when, when her dad got his big rest. It's hard for me to watch this, right? Um, you know what? Junior comes home, uh, not junior. AJ comes home in a little while and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about AJ. 
So Renee starts to look for Junior, like figuring out where he is. And Karen thinks that's better than her breaking down. I don't know about that. There's a there's a real manic energy to it. And with her eyes going all squirrely and the yelling and and it's obviously she's been drinking since she got up and got that fucking note. So I mean, a couple of hours at this point and smoking and like, it's just a lot of it. I would have been scared in there. Not scared like that Renee was going to attack me, but I would have been like super worried. I'd be like, oh, this, we can't keep doing this. So Nicole shows up and at this point, Renee calls and asks to see if Junior is in some institution. I'm assuming it's a place where people go to turn themselves in for federal stuff. When me and my husband, this is before we were married, my husband got a call from his aunt saying that Dog the Bounty Hunter was looking for him. It wasn't Dog the Bounty Hunter, but a bounty hunter was looking for him because he had a war- He had a federal warrant for his arrest. And what what? And his, he had been living with his aunt and they like kind of tracked him to that house. And what happened is that when my husband lived in another state, his um, cousin used his ID to drive on base and got a ticket of some sort on base. I've got a ticket on base too. It's a big deal, but I, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal if you were supposed to be in school and now you got a ticket you have to deal with. And it says the time was you were supposed to be in fucking school. But um, he got a ticket on base and he didn't pay it. And then he got arrested under my husband's name and he bailed and didn't come back. So he has a federal warrant for, for, for his arrest under my husband's name. And we were at a loss of what to fucking do. And what he had to do was go down to the federal court. This happened in Georgia. And what he had to do was go down to the federal courthouse in Virginia in the area we're in and turn himself in. He had to go in there and like, and I had to wait around to just see what was going to happen. And he had to, he just told them his name and they immediately arrested him and they took him back there. And I don't know, cause I can't remember. It was so fucking long ago. And I was like, so freaked out that day. I wasn't Renee freaked out, but I was just like, girl, what is happening? And um, but I still, I like, there was no way to talk to him cause he's arrested, but I had to wait there for him to find out like what happens next. So I don't know if he saw a magistrate, a magistrate seems like a local thing, not a federal thing. I don't know. He saw somebody, maybe it was a judge and the judge told him he needed to return to Georgia. I don't, again, I don't understand this cause this is supposed to be federal. Don't, don't get, don't, don't get me wrong. So he needs to return to Georgia and as soon as possible and turn himself in down there. And basically he was like, I'll give you like three days to do it. So my husband walks out of there and he has to make a plan to get to Georgia. He has to drive down to Georgia. He drives all the way to Georgia. And I didn't drive with him. He didn't want me to drive with him. He was like, you have to go to work. I was waiting tables. He's like, you have to go to work. Or I was bartending. You have to go to work because... I don't know what this is going to cost to get out of. So if you stay here and work, if something happens to me, you can just wire me money or wire a relative money to give to me or to whatever. So he took a friend, they drove to Georgia 
And he turned himself in. And again, they arrested him. And then they said, and he saw a judge down there and he explained the situation. He was like, okay, well, that sounds cute, but it it says it's you. And then the judge was like, the judge literally said to him, how much money do you have? And my husband foolishly told him. And he said, okay, that's your fine. And my husband gave the court all his money and left. And that was the end. And then had to, I wired him money. Did we have share a bank account at that point? Yes, we did share a bank account. So maybe I didn't wire him money. Maybe I just moved money around so that he had enough in the account. And he drove home. That already, I was very worried. I can't imagine, like, being in Renee's position. Even though I think Renee's in a dumb position. I still, I can't imagine being in that position. So I'm not sure where she's calling, like, a place that he would have turned himself into. But she is. She's calling around. And the person on the phone isn't very helpful. I mean, in this person's defense. Well, first of all, is that even the person? Like, is this a recreated call? Like, are they recording that call? It's not on speakerphone. Is, are they recreating this person's, what this person's saying on the other end? I don't fucking know. These are things you have to think about when you're looking at a reality TV show. But the person on the other end is not helpful. Let's say it is them. They're not helpful. But they're not in customer service. <laughs> this is not target customer service, girl. This is a prison you call in. We don't care about you. They do not care about you, girl. They don't care about you. Um, so the person's really unhelpful because Renee says, well, the thing is, they're not giving Renee more than what they have to. So Renee says, you know, my husband uh, turned himself in today. Can you look in the system if I give you his numbers or whatever? I'm sure she's thinking Social Security or I don't think he has a prison ID number again yet. But whatever. If I give him the number, can you look in the system and see if he's there and if he can have visitors? And the woman's like, no, I can't. Because if he came in today... I, he wouldn't be in the system until after midnight. And she means the, like, her computer system. And, like, okay, sure. Most people would just, like, look through it and be like, he's not here. He, you said he came in this morning? Well, you know it doesn't update till midnight, so you have to call back tomorrow. But she tells Renee this. Renee gets very upset. Renee tells her to go fuck herself. She's like, he's been there since this morning. And she's, first of all, he hasn't been there this morning. He went to his parole officer this morning who knows how long it took him to get from the parole officer to turning himself in who knows he hasn't been he might not have been and even turning himself in he might not have been at this institution like getting processed there's a whole thing to do so no he hasn't been here this morning but even if he had she just fucking told you that Anybody comes in today doesn't hit the system. The system updates at midnight and then I'll be able to look at them in the system. Um, but Renee yells, go fuck yourself and hang the phone. So then she gets Nicole to call. And the woman was like, are you the same woman that called me five minutes ago? Just like I would be like, girl, no, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> this is why I'm not in customer service either. So I don't answer phones places. <laughs> but, so she agrees. Basically, Nicole goes, no, that wasn't me. Um, can you look and see if my husband's there? Now, she doesn't tell the woman that he got, he's been there since this morning. He says, can you look and see if my husband is in the system? Which is a different question. Again, obtuse, and anybody who was actually trying to help someone would say, 
let me just look, but the scenario is different. Um, so she gives him his last name, which is Pagan, Pagan or Pagan. And the woman goes, you mean Hector? <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, but that's, that's, that's how I felt it. Hector, you talking about Hector, girl? <laughs> and that freaked everybody out because they were like, oh my God. And Renee's like, they're fucking with me. They're fucking with me. And I'm like, Renee, they don't even know that Renee Graziano Pagan is on the fucking, is here. They don't, this, that's not what's happening. Like, you know, they say when you hear, when you hear hoof, book, hoof beats, think horse is not zebra. Renee thinks zebras every single time. Like there's not some, some shadow conspiracy to make Renee go bonkers. No, 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 no. The, this this is a person, a a person who probably doesn't get paid a whole lot of money for what she has to do, and who is answering this phone, and who's tired six six of your shit. You was probably the eighteenth person that called that night, trying to tell her what you gonna do and what you ain't gonna do. She's like, mm, I don't think so. And so when she says Hector, she says, Hold on. And then she gets back and goes, oh, is this your sister? Is is this his sister or mom or wife? Which is another weird thing to say because normally you go, well, who are you to him? You wouldn't give them the person choices. But uh, Nicole says, I'm his wife. And she goes, at this point, there's a cutoff. Okay. I don't know if this is, this is happening in real time. But what happens is AJ walks in the house with that girl, Allie, the one that gave him an emotional twist. Or the one that saved him from the emotional twist, depending on the timeline and how long they've been together. But AJ walks in. He walks in, looks around, sees the cameras, production, all these ladies sitting in the living room. He's already heard about what fucking happened. You know he has. You know Renee called him crying and screaming. Um, uh, and Allie's there, and they both like kind of stop and then start walking up the stairs. And, um, Renee's like, come here, come in here, come in here. And he's like, what? Which I don't allow, I don't allow my kids to say what to me. The reason I don't allow them to say what, because what is short for what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and the, the correct answer when I call you is yes, ma'am, coming, ma'am, yes. Those, those are the correct answers. And the reason is because I do too fucking much for you. I love these fucking kids to death. They can get my kidney. If one of them needed a heart and the government would let me give them my, kill myself and give them a heart, I would fucking do it. I do way too much. I think too much. I I worry too much. I am constantly trying to make their lives better. And they don't owe me shit for it, okay? Because this is what you're supposed to do when you love your kids, all right? They don't owe me nothing. Nothing but the respect of not forgetting, okay? Don't forget that you you need me, I don't need you. I do for you, you don't do for me, okay? So when I call you, show me some respect. Speak to me with respect. I'm going to speak to you with respect. You're going to speak to me with respect, and you're not going to fucking say what to me when I call you. <laughs> but anyway, he says what? I mean, that's what AJ and they, that's how they talk to each other. And um, she goes, you know I love you, right? And he's like, ugh, and then walks up the stairs. See, the thing is, I don't know what Renee was thinking here. I don't know what Renee wanted AJ to do. I, too, would have not wanted to walk in there. And also, in terms of Renee, well, 
when I think of my kids, like, let's take this pandemic thing shit. Like, they're going to school. I'm worried about them catching COVID. There's all these rules and protocols I have to, like, they're like, can I go over so-and-so's house? Like, probably not because I have to send you to school right now, but I don't have to send you to someone's house I don't know um, or anyone's house that we do know. Um, can we go to the jumpy place? No, it's indoors. You're jumping all over each fucking other. It's crowded as fuck. No, we can't go there. Maybe we can go to our favorite park. Our favorite park is up in Pflugerville. We love to go over there and it has like trails and stuff and it's got a fun, it's, it's, it's a cute park. And so we like to go to the park and the kids play for a while and then we walk the trail and all we see something gross in the creek and you know, we have a good time when we do this. Like I can do that because it's outside and we could probably go early and when we go early there's no one, there's not going to be anybody there so I can feel comfortable that way and then if it gets crowded I can easily like gather you guys and leave, it's not a big deal. Can we get ice cream? Yeah, we can get ice cream. We can eat outside. You're not going to eat that shit in my car. Nobody eats in my car except for me. I'm the one that cleans it. I'm the only one that gets to eat in it. And yeah, like, so it's a lot of like balancing and stuff. But one of the things I'm trying to remind myself of is this. I have to find joy for my kids during this time. They can go to all two and a half, three years, three, they can do three full years of weird school, but they can't do, they can do three years of a pandemic. They can do five years of a pandemic. I can do this. Okay, but what I can't do is leave them in constant anxiety for three years. No joy, no, no finding a reason to be happy and to live. I can't do that. And so when I talk about how I'm working on doing what I can, setting it aside and like trying to be positive about things and trying to be optimistic and and focusing on what I have and what I don't have, that is for my kids. I have to be the calm in the storm. I cannot be hysterical. I cannot be yelling. I mean, I'm not saying I've never cried and my kids have seen it. They have, but I try really hard not to be running down the hallway screaming, crying, because if I am crying, that worries them. Mommy's crying? Oh, fuck. Something must be wrong. That's how I always felt as a kid. If my mother was actually crying, I was like, oh, we are fucking screwed because she's crying. And so... It is important for me, especially when we are going through something terrible like a pandemic or an emergency. I actually had a dream that I was driving my kids in my van and a car flipped on the other side of the highway, flipped all the way over, hit our car and made us flip. And in the dream, I was just like removing myself. I, the, the airbags can't, it was like really wild. And all I was doing in the dream was like getting my kids out of the car. Like I was like prying open the door and grabbing a child, moving, moving, moving. <laughs> and it's because in those situations, I have to be someone they can look to. And the, the early part of the pandemic was really hard for me because they were asking me a lot of questions. I, I was like, I don't fucking know. I have no idea. I feel like I have more answers now. And that's one of the reasons I don't feel like I'm back at square one. I do have more answers. I do know how school will work. I do know what we can and can't do, you know? And so it bothers me to see Renee smoking cigarettes and drunk. She's not drunk. Maybe she's not drunk, but it feels like she's been drinking a long time. It feels, it's, it was like early evening. It was like, almost dust like the lights were going that you could see when this when this started it's nighttime now she's been drinking and smoking since running around screaming and crying and i'm like she is in no 
she's in no place to be talking to her son. I know he's 17, he's damn near grown, but she's in no place to be talking to her son. No place to be like, AJ, come in his living room with his production and blah, 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 blah. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. If you're not in a space where you can be calm for him and be a light in the storm for him, then let him go upstairs with his girlfriend. I, I, one of the things I greatly dislike about Renee is that it always seems like she is not protecting AJ, that she and AJ are in a relationship, an emotional incest relationship, you know, like that happens a lot when you're a single mom with a son and you're like married to him instead of like his mom. I'm not saying this happens every time. I'm saying that you, it's calm. You can see it sometimes when someone is a single parent with a son and that's what it feels like. It feels like he's another adult. She's crying like, don't leave me. It's at one point in the, in the um, season, I'm just like, don't put that shit on him. He is not old enough for, I know he's, he's getting big. I know he's, I know he's getting older. I know, I know he is very close to manhood and like he's smelling himself and getting his dick sucked for the first time. I get it. He's starting to feel like, a grown-up, but he's not a fucking grown-up. He's not a grown-up. He's a child. And you are the grown-up in this fucking room. And so instead of hyping him up, doing unnecessary things, putting on a show, instead of all that, make sure AJ's okay. I might, I mean, he's old enough to have, like, I mean, he knows everything. So I'd be like, hey, AJ, um, I'm right now I'm trying to figure out where your dad is. And once I do know, once I get more information, I'll let you know. And I actually would want him to go upstairs. Get out of grown folks business. We'll handle this and then, and then I'll give you the information you need to know. I just, I just think Renee's parenting leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think she protect. I mean, I think she wants to. I think she talks a good game about protecting him and giving him what he needs. I don't think she protects him from anything. She tells him every fucking thing. He's all, remember that, remember that episode? He's sitting in the fucking kitchen. I said, sitting, not shitting, sorry. <laughs> He's sitting in the kitchen and she's like going over, <clears throat> excuse me, going over the fight that, that was happening at her birthday party between two of her friends. And he's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why are you telling AJ this? He don't need to know this. He don't need to know your friends are fucking goons. <laughs> I mean, he was, also he was there. Okay, so, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I feel like there, there are icky parts of their relationship, codependent parts, parts in which she is parentalizing AJ. And he, he, he even though I think, I think at being 17, you're very close in adulthood. You should have a lot of like uh, leeway on things. They should be like, your parents should be less all up in your fucking business, but the, but you're still not the parent. And she, AJ shouldn't have to parent Renee. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, he runs up, he basically ignores her and runs upstairs. And she's like, don't be like that. I'm like, okay. So, back to the phone. Um, she, Nicole tells them, the, the lady comes back on the phone and is like, yeah, he's being processed now. And then she asked Nicole if Nicole says, "Well, I have a son who is desperate to visit him." And blah, blah, blah. I don't know. She if she she puts on her best supporting actress tease and it's like, and he must. You see it, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. 
she was like playing cat in the hot tin roof or some shit. Um, she is, but basically she asked if AJ, if he has a son and he needs, he needs to visit him. And the lady on the thing says, no, he won't be able to visit him tomorrow. And the lady says, but I can see him. She goes, is he Italian? And everyone goes, what? No, he's Spanish. You know, in 2012, people would say shit like that. Spanish. But but everyone is confused. I don't know why they're confused. She's saying, the reason she, reason you said Pagan or whatever, and she goes Hector, is because he's being processed in front of her. She's at the front. He's being processed right here. Maybe not, like, maybe she's not processing. Maybe he's not standing next to the fucking desk, but he's in the processing area, and she can see him. She wasn't going, I can see him in the system. She's saying, I can see him with my fucking eyes. Like, you're sitting over there, like, putting people in the system. People are, things are being typed up. There are forms and shit. And so when you said Pagan, she was like, oh, I think that's that motherfucker right there. And that's why she goes, is he Italian? Because she's looking at him. I have a racially ambiguous husband too. Sometimes people go, oh, you mean this Mexican guy? And I have to show up like, yeah, even though that's not true, but I know who they're looking at. They're looking at my fucking husband. I'm, and I don't feel like being like, actually, Mexican's not a race and you can't tell if somebody's Mexican by looking at them. And actually, he's like, what's that going to do? I, yeah, that's him. Give, where is he? <laughs> but I don't understand why they're so confused about this. She's literally looking at him. And that's why she asked, is he Italian? Because she's looking at him. And Junior does look, can go, come off as Italian. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, until, and when they were watching this season, until they get to this part, thought Junior was Italian. I think Junior's Puerto Rican or something like that. Um, but uh, they're all like, what's going on? <laughs> like, you guys have been around his lifestyle all the time. He's being processed. And it takes a long time to process people. First of all, he might not have even gotten there until 4 p.m. Then he's in a holding cell. Then they come out the holding cell to process him. They got to search him up, make him bend over and cough so shit fall out his booty. Um, categorize his tattoos. Take pictures of him. Do his fingerprints again. Um, just shit after shit after shit. Uh, catalog all the shit he came in, his earrings, his his uh, necklace, his clothes. He's got to sign off on that. Issue him clothes. Issue, like, it takes a long fucking time. And she's saying she can see him. He's right there. But, you know, they're like, conspiracy. He's trying to, she's trying to kill me. He was trying to play me. Uh. And anyway, what she says, though, and I could tell that the lady on the phone is trying to be uh, comforting. Is that like, like, he's okay. He's I can see him. He's okay. And, and she's like, well, when, what, where is he? Where is he located? When can he have a visit? She's like, I can't tell you anything else. And which goes back to the first thing she told Renee is that he's not in the system yet. <laughs> so... And he won't, the system doesn't update until midnight. So after he gets processed and they put all the book, they type all in the shit in the system and do all the things and take him to his cell where he will be for the foreseeable future until they move him around or whatever. When, when they do all that and they put him on the system and it's midnight, the system will update. And now if I type in his information, it'll let me have it. That's what she fucking said. 
Now, do I blame Renee and Nicole and Karen for not fucking knowing? No, I don't blame them. They're all heightened and, you know, I've been there too where I've been like, what do you mean? But, like, I, like, um, gosh, it might have been three years ago, maybe two. My second oldest son, Cheeks, um, scratched his eye. I don't know how he did. I think it was on a a feather from his pillowcase, from his pillow that poked through. I'm not sure. He woke up. His eye was red. He said it hurt a little bit, but I took him to YMCA summer camp anyway. I went about my business, did my work that day. But something was like, I was on site too. And something was like, with a client. I was like, at lunch, I I had finished some stuff. And I was like, I need to go see my kid. You know, just, he wasn't feeling great. When I get to YMCA, he's lying down. His eyes are closed. And I asked him, you know, I just come over and be like, hey, how's it going? Um, I was going to take him back to the office and he opened his eyes. His eyes are so red. I was like, oh, I, I got to take him to the, he's like, I can't see. Um, I take him to uh, urgent care clinic and we get in there and it takes a minute and they put this stuff on his eye that they can see better and they can tell he has a large scratch in his eye. And they're like, okay, so I'm going to prescribe you some, it's not a tear in his cornea. A tear in his cornea would be like very serious, but it's a scratch on his cornea. And they're like, I mean, it's going to hurt. And so I'm going to give you some eye drops for your, for his eyes. And, um, I'm going to, he's got to wear an eye patch. So nothing gets in it because he's not going to have, it's, you know. Uh, is he had a baby and we're going to put these eye patches in the eye patches, excuse me, the eye drops will keep it from getting infected and it'll also heal it. And then after like a week or two, it'll, it'll heal. Um, so like, I'm still very worried. I, they call in, I mean, at this point it's like five o'clock. Uh, they call in the prescription. I go to a Walgreens, I think it was a Walgreens to pick it up. I'm sitting there, you know, he's like, he's exhausted. He's in pain. He can't see out of one eye. Like I called my husband to tell him what was going on. My other kids were still at summer camp. Called my husband, told him what was going on. He left work and met me in the Walgreens parking lot by that time. And like, you know, carried my son in there and we're sitting there waiting. And the Walgreens guy's like, your uh, Medicaid, because remember all my kids are on Medicaid, so they're 18 because it's an adoption benefit. Uh, that the state will pay for their medical care. And it's generally very good. Don't get me wrong. They, it, it pays for everything preventative, most care. I don't pay co-pays. I don't, I don't pay anything. Like, I don't know if this is the Medicare you get if you just apply if, for low income, but this is, when they had foster kids, they had a different Medicaid and it was like, bang up. It, it really was like, what's the problem? Paid, like for everything, but then they switched them to the after adoption Medicaid. I, I still don't don't get me up here lying about the shit. But for the most part, it's pretty good. You just have to find a provider, and once you understand like who who's gonna take your insurance, those people usually take mostly Medicaid stuff. So they're so quick, and they're like they know how to do everything. Like the psychiatrist that my kids see sees only foster and adoptive kids. So he only sees people on Medicaid. So he never prescribes me something that Medicaid won't pay for. He like, as we're talking, he'll be like, yeah, Medicaid won't pay for this, but they'll pay for that. Like he's, he's got it down to a fucking science, but you know, 
I'm working with someone I don't normally see. It's not his normal doctor. It's not his normal, you know, these are all, his doctor, his dentist, his psychiatrist, all these people, his therapist, all these people like know how to bill Medicaid and know exactly what they need and stuff. So, but I was at urgent care. So Walgreens are like, we're not, they're not going to cover this. I was like, okay, well, how much is it? And they told me it was a ridiculous price. I was like, cause a lot of times, like sometimes Medicaid won't cover something. And it's because they're like, we want you to do this. And if I want to pay for it, it's like $8. I'm like, I'll pay for it, you know? But it was a ridiculous price. And I was like, no, I need to get this. And so I'm in there. I have to call Medicaid. I have to talk to this guy and that guy and this guy. And I'm like, I'm in the Walgreens. My kid has been in pain all day. We finally know what's wrong. I just want to get him his drops and get him to lay down, feed him and get him to lay down and rest. And... I'm going person to person to person. And I finally get to a person that's like, okay, the reason they won't, the reason we won't pay for this is because it's coded this way. It needs to be coded that way. And if it was coded that way, it would go through. Cause you know, they're, we're all used, they're all using systems, right? Auto like approval systems. And at this point, the urgent care clinic, I think is closed at this point. Cause we've been waiting for so long. And now they can't talk to the doctor. And so now it's up to the pharmacist to put it in a certain way. And the pharmacist puts it in a certain way and then it won't go through. And then like, and I think if I were like, so when I think back to that moment of being like, I gotta call this person, my kid's here sick. My husband's holding him and stuff. And my husband doesn't do calls and paperwork and stuff. He's only, he only met me there because I told him our son was, was hurt and I told him what was happening and he left work to come. And so he's really just there to hold my son. That's really the only reason he's there. And I don't want them to leave without this medication because like, I don't know. I just, I think if I went back in time, I'd be like, just go home and I'll like fucking fight this out and get what we need. So we're, we're there like an hour and a half. I think he actually did cause the Walgreens is very close to our house. I think he actually did just like put my son in his car and drive off and go home. Um, and I finally like fought it out and the pharmacists, they were like, Jerry rigged some shit in the system. And the guy on the phone, I think his name was James or something, was like on speakerphone telling the pharmacist which buttons to push. He was like, press no, press no again. All right, now I press yes. Now go back and press no. And press, like, it took a really long time and it was very stressful. And in the end, they gave me what I needed. And I was able to go home. I, I went and got the other kids from summer camp. I still had work to finish. I was on a deadline. I still had work to finish. So I went back on site, finished my work, then barely got the kids from summer camp in time because I didn't want my husband to leave the house again. You gotta get them by a certain time. And this is after I took the medicine home and like came home. Like it was the longest fucking day from hell. So I... So, I mean, this is, I'm sidetracked, but I'm just like, when I'm thinking of where Renee's head is right now, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you're sitting there like, what the fuck, man? Somebody give me a straight fucking answer. But looking from a place of not being all discombobulated like he, like she is, I'm like, oh, they are giving you a straight answer. You just don't understand what's being said right now. So, but yeah, like, uh, she tells them. She said, he's okay. I'm looking at him. He's okay. 
Um, but I can't give you more any more information. I don't know when because they're asking like arraignment and stuff, and like she's like, I don't have any more information right now. So that's it. And Renee starts gagging, ends up throwing up. She says it's a depression. I think she's she's been in bed all day, according to her. I don't know if she's eaten anything. It looks like you haven't eaten anything. You've been smoking cigarettes for hours, non-fucking-stop. I mean, one point she was calling, like, she was talking to someone, like, opening a new pack of Newports. She had, like, two packs of Newports. She she finished one and started opening a new one. And it also looks like you've been drinking for hours. So, I don't know this depression. I think that, I think you it's nerves. Plus the fact that you're fucking drinking on an empty stomach and you're even smoking. And like, I think it's a combination of things. She tells us that growing old alone is her biggest fear. I mean, she's crying in the confessionals, guys. And Karen, like in, like in the scene, Karen's holding her up while she's crying and sliding to the floor. She's yelling, she can't believe she lost him. It is just, it's hard to watch. After Karen and... Nicole leave, Renee continues to smoke and call people. And she says she needs to put her son's mind at ease and her own mind at ease. And like in any other case, I would be like, yeah, you do need to put your son's mind at ease. But I don't think AJ's mind's not at ease. I think your mind's not at ease. And you about to rile AJ up. Um, of course, he is a 17-year-old boy and they do like bury fucking feelings. But he seems to be pretty calm and not want to be in the eye of this fucking storm with you. Like, I feel like Renee needs to take a Xanax or smoke a blunt or something and, like, calm down. But also, you know, I don't know, you know, Renee always says that she started abusing drugs after her surgery where she almost died earlier. And I don't know that there's not some other chemical things happening with Renee. So, in the last scene of the episode, Renee calls a cousin I think it's her cousin because this cousin is at her father's house when she calls her and she's like telling her she's like can you just listen to me right now and like so I can tell you where I'm at like I I figured out where he is I left a message for his PO officer who I'm friendly with but I'm not if she hasn't called me back and I'm not gonna keep calling her because I don't want her to think you know I'm I'm getting wild with her um, I have some general info. I'm trying to figure out, like, when is this arraignment? Like, when can I get there? When can I see him? And then, like, they're having this conversation, and suddenly Renee starts screaming. You cannot hear her cousin on the other end. You can only hear Renee screaming. And the reason she's screaming is because she can hear on the other end that the police are at her father's house. And they are taking him. And she's screaming through the phone, telling them not to take her father. Don't take her father. She's telling us in the confessional that she's 10 minutes away from her father. She's 10 minutes from there. And she, she wouldn't be fast enough to get there to say goodbye to him. I was like, I mean, the way she said that was, was good copy. It was good script. But, like, if somebody wrote that for a movie, I understand, like, I understand, like, uh, how that would be like good writing for, for a monologue on Grey's Anatomy. But it takes a while to arrest people. <laughs> so uh, if you had gotten in your car right then and drove the 10 minutes, he would still be there. Um, especially when they're, they're serving an arrest warrant. They're probably serving a search warrant too. Uh, he's probably going to be there for a minute. But 
she's like screaming, don't take my father. They're taking him. Stop them. Stop them. Stop them. Which would have annoyed me if I was the cousin because I was like, we can't, we're not going to be able to stop the police from arresting your 71, 71 year old dad. He's not, he's not going to hop out the back window and run through the neighborhood. Like they're, they're here for him. Um, she throws the phone at one point and falls to the floor. And screams, they're taking my father, they're taking my father. And that's the end of the episode. Now, I have a couple of questions. Like, it's interesting they got Renee at this exact time. Um, Jen's an executive producer, so that is, so, you know, there are different levels to production. I don't think that she's, like, in the room, you know, next to the guy holding the boom mic and next to the camera guy. Like, I don't think she's a film producer like that, but I could be wrong. I don't know what the hierarchy is of this production company on this production. I don't know. Um, because you got to think that someone's blowing up Jen's phone right now going, they're taking your father. Also, once as they're like, they're filming Renee's mental breakdown. Like, when she falls to the ground, she's behind the kitchen island. They kind of move to catch, to, like, not catch her literally, but catch her with the camera. And I, I don't know, man. Did somebody, did a, did a producer call in and go, Jen, uh, your sister is dying here. She's been screaming all day. Like, we've been in her house for hours. She's been screaming and crying the whole time. She's going through it. Like, did Jen just then call her sister and be and ask her, does she want to film and stuff? I think I read somewhere that they asked her if she wanted to keep filming and she said yes. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a really good episode. Um, I felt like it struck a good balance. It's Renee's episode, though. And next episode is the Junior is a Rat episode. It starts to come out that some things are happening. The Washington Post, is it the Washington? The New York Post, excuse me. The New York Post starts reporting based on some gangland.com articles. Because <laughs> I've read the New York Post articles and they all reference gangland.com, like with the scoop. And it's going to be an interesting one. So, and my hope is next week I'll have Liz on. She has tentatively said yes. I have pre-proposed to her a promise ring, if you will. And... I'm going to, after I finish recording this, I'm going to reach out to her and officially propose that she be on next week's episode. Hopefully she will be. Guys, if you got some time on your hands, please give me a five-star review. I don't read them, but other people do. So I really need you to give me a five-star review. You can also follow me at OK Then Princess on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. And I will see you guys next week. Later.